we dive in this morning, we're going to be in Luke 10. Yesterday, as we were, uh, yesterday, last week when we were looking at uh, our faith at work and, and, and responding to God and what we hear from God, um, we, were, we were touching on uh, a reminder of the covenant and kingdom. We'll get there in a second. Um, but in, in hearing the voice of God, it, 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 does, it, it requires a response. It requires us to respond to God. Um, that before we dive into to, to Luke chapter 10, it, it requires a response from us uh, um, in hearing the voice of God and responding to him. Uh, let me give you a, a recap of Covenant and Kingdom before we read Luke 10, before my reader comes up. So uh, Covenant and Kingdom, a reminder, um, if we can go to that slide. When I say covenant, I mean relationship. And I mean relationship uh, with the Father. The Father says, this is who you are. I've created you. You, ha- you carry an imprint that I put upon you because I have, I've created everything in you uh, and about you. Um, and out of that identity in, in the Father is a desire to be obedient to who God is and who we are because of him. When we say covenant here at C3, we mean a partnership, and a partnership with God's kingdom work in the world. That it, part of that partnership is that we recognize that God is the king, and that uh, us being his representative here on earth, he's calling us, uh, or giving us his authority to do the things he's called us to do, and to carry with the power that we need to do said things. We don't have it in, that power within uh, in ourselves, um, and so we've got to tap into, to, to trust in, and lean on who God is and who we are because of him. So let's look at, at, at Luke 10. So, uh, my reader, Ann, come on up here. Anne's going to read for us out of Luke chapter 10, and she's going to start in in verse 1. Good to go. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others, and he sent them ahead of them in pairs to every town and place where he himself was about to go. He told them, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Now go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Don't carry a money bag, traveling bag, or sandals. Don't greet anyone along the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace to this household. If a person peace is there, your peace will rest on him. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they offer, for the worker is worthy of his wages. Don't move from house to house. When you enter a town and they welcome you, eat the things set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them that the kingdom of God has come near you. Thank you. Can we give it up for Anne? So last week we were in Luke chapter 9. Jesus sends out the 12 to do these very same things that here in Luke chapter 10 he's, seven, he's sending 70 more of his followers to do the things that he just sent his disciples to do as well. To uh, heal the sick, cast out demons, and proclaim the kingdom of God is near. And he sends them out here in, in Luke chapter 10 and he says don't take anything with you. Right? Just what you, what you have and go do these things that I'm calling you to do. Not only do these things that I'm calling you to do, but you have seen me do this. You have seen me walk this out in Jesus every day as, as his disciples and these followers have been traveling with Jesus, have been watching him, observing him, seeing how these things have taken place, what he says, why he says it. And he says, now I want you to go and do these things. I want you to go and heal the sick. I want you to go and cast out demons. I want you to go and proclaim the kingdom of God is near. And I want you to go to these surrounding areas in the northern part of Israel because I'm going to be heading there soon. Right? Jesus is laying the groundwork, preparing, preparing souls to hear from Jesus and to, to in, engage and see Jesus and respond to him. 
And as we talk about um, today, as we talk about um, obedience and power, before we get there, uh, just to, to refresh, like the, to last week, knowing that identity and authority are tied. And knowing that I am God's son, that I'm created by God, and he's placed me here, there comes with that, when I live into that identity from him, there comes with it an authority that I have from God. Not my own authority, but God's authority. What his will and way to do in, in, in the world, uh, to bring about what the things that are in heaven here to earth. And so also then when we talk about with covenant and kingdom, obedience and power are inextricably, <laughs> okay, are tied together. We, <laughs> like I said, 5 a.m. Is, is an early morning. Uh, we'll, my brain will slow down, my mouth will, 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 will pick up. But obedience and power are tied together. Because they're not tied together because I have to be obedient or because I feel guilty when I'm not obedient or I know I should act a certain way or I should say a certain thing, that, that it's not a guilt and shame that, that, that I, want, I want to be obedient. It's a desire because I know that I am God's son. The desire to be obedient to what he is doing and how he's called me to orient myself, to posture myself. And so let's, I'll break it down here as, as I did, just a reminder from last week. Authority is the capacity we have due to our position. And what's our position if we're, if, if we're a follower of Jesus? It's a child of the king. We're his kids. And I have authority of God in me due to the union with Jesus Christ. And power is the capacity I have due to my life posture. The capacity I have due to my life posture. So what's my life posture? Well, that's where it's tied with obedience and power. If my life posture is obedience, repentant, contrite, humble, willing, th if this is a life posture, there is no end to the kind of power that we have access to in God. If my, if my posture is an obedient servant, Lord Jesus, your will, your way, where you're calling me, I want to go. How you're calling me to be, I want to be that. I desire to be obedient because God is a good God and I am his child and he loves me and he has poured out all kinds of things in ways of his love for me. The biggest of which is Jesus himself coming to earth, living, dying on a cross for my sins go and, and dying and shedding his blood. We just celebrated and, 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 and took communion together. A reminder of that sacrifice on the cross and a way back to God through that, through that sacrifice on the cross. Not only did he die on a cross, but he resurrected in three days that life could not, or death could, could not defeat him. A way back to God through Jesus himself. So my life posture, desiring to be obedient, to be repentant, contrite, humble, and willing. In Isaiah 57, verse 15, it says this, I dwell on a high and holy place, all, uh, and also with, with uh, contrite and lowly of spirit, in order to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. We're gonna break this scripture down for, for, uh, for us here in, uh, with Isaiah 57, verse 15. I dwell on a high and holy place and also with the contrite and lowly of spirit in order to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. God dwells with a person who is contrite. What does contrite mean? Contrite is, is penitent, humbled by our own sins and failures, and seeking after God. That's what a contrite heart, or a humble heart, a contrite heart uh, and spirit is, is, is 
penitent, humbled by our own sins and failures, seeking after God. I cannot save myself. I absolutely need Jesus to be uh, in, that, in that place for me, to bring me back into right relationship with God. And God says, uh, when I see a person with a contrite spirit, I will dwell with them. I will stay with that person. I will live with that person, make my home in that life, in that person's life. Now notice here in, in Isaiah 57, notice that when, what, uh, what God does when he comes to this person. I, I, I dwell to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. When God comes to the contrite, he revives the spirit. He breathes a new life into the heart. And what, we, what do we call when we say that new a breath of God's, uh, God's spirit into our life? That's power. That is power. When God's breath is breathed into us and it's new life. New life that we get to live for Jesus. It's powerful. It's powerful in ways we cannot tap into unless it's God's breath breathing into us. It isn't anything else you can grab onto or hold onto to offer you power. There's no scepter, there's no scepter or crown that will give you the kind of power that God is offering his kids. Right? There, there, is, no, there is no vote or political placement that is the kind of power that God is offering his, his children. There is nothing that exists in this world that isn't from God that offers you the kind of power that his family has that his, his children have access to. There's so much in our world that we try to grab onto to hold this and hold that and think that's what, that will, that's what will give me meaning in my life right now. What we know to be true about God's word and even it says here in Isaiah 57 is that if that's my, if that's my goal to attain, to grab, to, to just take the power, to take the authority, it will never be enough. And likely I'm going to find myself broken, beaten, wondering why. But holding on to the authority and to the power because of my identity in Jesus and my desire to be obedient, that's what will last. That's what remains. That's what we hold on to. That's the power that God offers us. Revival in the Bible isn't a series of meetings with a traveling evangelist. It is God coming to a contrite heart. It is God's life, God's spirit being poured into you, bringing you into new life and peace and hope and joy. And this is the invitation that God has for his kids. This is the invitation at the table of communion. Will, God, will you let God pour into you Will you have a, a contrite and humble heart where God can pour into you and you receive his spirit more and more up uh, to, to be a, a spring that wells up from within that can't, your, your container, your vessel, your temple, your mini temple can't hold it anymore and it flows out of you to those around you. Is, 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 is that the invitation that you hear this morning? I pray it is. Because it isn't as an evangelist standing up on a platform preaching and speaking it isn't it isn't the crowds gathering and, and the and the message going out it is it is us individually having a contrite heart before God saying and saying Lord fill me with your presence have your breath breathe into me because that is where the power can flow out of 
Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I, will, I would rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. He continues on into verse 10. In the second part of that, he goes, For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul, of all people who could stand before a crowd of religious people and say, I, I really, I have got what, what all of you want. I am the best of the best, likely of all of his peers. He is number one. And Paul here to the church in Corinth says again, my grace, for my grace, uh, um, quoting Jesus, my grace is sufficient for you. My, for power is perfected in weakness. Paul, it could be on a, on a, on a stage and a platform and have all the kinds of authority, people looking at him like, ooh, this is the person I want to follow. This is the person who knows what it is to be a religious person, whether it was being a religious person as a Pharisee, as, as Saul, or in, his, or in his transformation of being Paul and being made right with Christ and in relationship with God and, ch and changing everything about his life. He could stand and he could, it, it, before, the, before the masses, and be counted like this is the person we should, be, we should emulate. This is the person we should follow. And he says, my grace is sufficient for you for power is perfected in weakness. I, will, I would rather uh, boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is the kingdom of God. It flips what we know to be true in how the world works. He flips it on his head. When, are, when I'm weak, I am strong? How does that make any sense in our world? It does by the grace of God. And it does in God's kingdom. That's the math, how it works out. In God's kingdom, it makes sense. In every other realm of what we know, it's not true. But it's true because of Jesus. It's, it's true in relationship with God. It's true because we're her, we are his kids. It's true because our identity is founded in him and we, we bear his imprint on our life. It's true because he said, look, I give you my authority and power to do these things in the world. Will you be faithful and do those things? Will you walk in the way I've called you? This morning we have an opportunity to hear from, uh, from a couple who are desiring to walk in the way God has called them. So I, I'd like Arnie and Ellen to come up, um, and, and they're going to they're going to share what God has been speaking to them about, and how He's been calling them to to be to 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 share and have His authority and walk in obedience and have this power of what can take place. So um, share with us. Like the message, power is perfected by weakness. My wife, Ellen, is here today to present an opportunity for women in our church who have been negatively impacted by sexual integrity issues in their marriage relationships. My life has been negatively impacted by sexual integrity issues, and I'm here to share that almost all of us have been directly or indirectly impacted by this issue that most people are uncomfortable talking about. I'm so very proud of Ellen and the fact that God has put it in her heart to find a way to help women find healing from betrayal and trauma due to sexual addiction. Yep. Yep. Okay, good morning. I have notes here so I don't forget anything that I want to say. Um, I'm here to share part of my story with you today. Before I do, I have to go back to those two questions. What is God saying and how will I respond? 
I've known for quite a while now what God's been saying to me and how I should respond, but it always seemed like I wasn't ready or the timing was not right. But then God opened doors for me. He brought people into my life, spoke encouraging words to me. And he was showing me that there is no perfect time. The right time is now. Um, Arnie and I have been members of this church for 33 years. And um, one thing that I've learned in all of this is that sharing our stories with transparency and vulnerability is so important. And that's why I'm here today. Arnie and I have gone through difficult seasons due to sexual addiction. We felt like we needed others because we didn't know what we didn't know. During Arnie's disclosure to me, I learned that Bethel Church in Chehalis was the only church in the area that offered groups for women and men from healing for betrayal, trauma, and addiction. I remember the first time I walked into a group at Bethel. I didn't know anyone. I was nervous, but I knew that I could not go through this alone. The women were there because they wanted healing, as did I. And I learned so much through participating in these groups. The most important thing I learned is that we grow and find healing in community. I had accountability for my healing in the group, and I found empathy. I was cared for and listened to. I didn't know what was wrong with me, but I learned that it isn't about me. I've been in a Pure Desire group, women's group, for several years at Bethel Church, and I've journeyed through the Pure Desire Betrayal and Beyond curriculum course several times. I have learned how to process pain and trauma, but more importantly, and this is the best part, I know that God takes all that the enemy has used to discourage and destroy me, and he uses it for his glory. Amen. He makes beauty out of ashes. When we are in isolation, we think we're the only ones, but we are not. We're going to have a slide up here pretty soon to show yep. you that. We are in a church, thank goodness, that is wanting to create a culture of authenticity so that we can heal. Because nothing grows in the darkness, it must be brought into the light. Human sexuality is God's design and creation. We have all been born into a fallen world that impacts our ability to live out of God's design. So with all that said, beginning on January 11th, I will be teaching a group for women. Uh, the course is from Pure Desire Ministries called Sexual Integrity 101. Uh, the first meeting will be an informational meeting, and hopefully we'll have time to um, watch the first session video. I hope that um, there is no need to sign up ahead of time, and all are welcome. I hope that every woman will consider going through this study at some point, because honestly, we all have kids or friends, coworkers or spouses who struggle. You could come and be equipped to help them and be a part of what God wants to do in our church and through this group. This eight-week video training will show how shame and grace affect the healing process and give understanding about addiction and betrayal trauma. I am very excited about this opportunity to take this journey with other women in the church. God is so good. Thank you. Thank you, God. Uh, I, am, I am so humbled and blessed by Arnie and Ellen's willingness 
to hear from God and to respond in, in a way that requires such courage. And, and to say, yes, God, I, I, will, I, will, I will walk this out. Though I don't have all of the steps figured out, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be faithful and obedient because you're a good God and you desire goodness for us. Wholeness, uh, health, uh, in areas that just get covered over in darkness. Or areas of sin that we just, the world would like to say, it's not that bad. <laughs> and yet, the more we're in it, the more we're in that sin, the emptier we become. And so I also want to make you aware that there is going to be a, a, a group uh, available for ladies, but there also is going to be a group, and currently is a group for guys, uh, but starting in January, they'll also go through this eight-week course uh, led by Jimmy Domoshovsky, uh, and so they'll, they'll be walking through this um, at, at the same time. And so there's going to be a group for guys and a group for gals. Uh, that This is an area, um, it's so pervasive in our culture, as you saw the infographic, uh, that we want to bring this into the light. We want to call attention to it and say that God has a design for us and a desire for us to live in a healthy way with one another um, and have relationships that if there exists brokenness, that there can be restoration. God is a God of restoring broken things, bringing hope where there was hopelessness, inserting love where there was anger and hate. This is the God that we serve. This is the God who has created us. If we jump back into the Luke 10 story, we see that as the 70 were sent out in the beginning of Luke 10, when they come back, uh, in, in verse 17, the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Even the demons are subject to to us in your name. I mean, they came back like, hey, Jesus, th this, stuff, this stuff happened. We were seeing people healed from addiction. We were seeing people healed from brokenness. We were seeing people healed from, from, from uh, ailments that they had been just carrying with them. We were seeing this happen. We were seeing people, be, people being healed from being demon-possessed and, and being freed from that, no longer being bound by the change that comes with that. But we were seeing people set free. They come back to Jesus like, hey, this is happening. We get to be a part of that. And they came back to Jesus with joy, seeing that people who were suffering in the places that God was sending them, that they were, they were a part of that kingdom work. They were seeing what exists in heaven coming to earth. They get to be a part of that. They come back to Jesus with joy. And church, that is the invitation for us today. Will you be obedient? Because God is a good God and he has imprinted himself. You bear his image. Will you, will you accept the invitation to go and be his representative, his ambassador in the places he is sending you, in the areas of, that you live, work, and play, and the, the things that are so um, uh, you're passionate about. You want to see people set free in certain ways, in certain areas, as, as Ellen has, has, has come up here in a very brave and courageous way and say, I have walked this journey, and I want to see other people set free. I want to see people set free from this addiction, from, from, the, from the hurt and the betrayal that exists within those who are suffering in this addiction. I want to see the freedom come. I want to see chains broken. This is the invitation, church. Please, please, 
I want to be, I want to be a person, but I also want to be in a church that this, this is what God calls us to, and this is what we see. Freedom. Freedom from the captives. Freedom from those who are captive. Sight for the blind. Remember Jesus' mission statement, Isaiah 61. This is still our call today. We're seeing it being lived out in real time. Will you say yes to Jesus? Because you bear his image. Because when you say yes to Jesus, you have all kinds, unlimited capacity for his power to be at work in your life. Oh, how good that will be. How good that is when we get to see that lived out, played out in our life. Thank you. Thank you for taking the lead. God is good. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we've been reminded as we partake in communion today, the God, that it is not in us that we can do any of it, but it's in you and through you. You desire to live in us, to be with us, And that from that, God, there is an unlimited potential for kingdom breakthrough. Lord, help us see it all around us. Help us see it and to know that that is an invitation. Open our eyes to where you're at work, God, and how you're inviting us in. Lead us, I pray, in your name. Amen.